Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody, it's your huge bruiser, Holden McNeely. And it's me, your vertically spinning wizard, Jake. And uh, Holden, I, I got I got the madness. I got the bot madness. I yearn to see sparks fly and steel rend. I want to see things crashing and burning and exploding. But also, I want to learn a very human story about ingenuity and the drive to succeed in a uh, unconventional sport. Yes, yes, as you can hear, Jake got the bot madness. <laughs> and so we just felt like it, would, it was only right, because everyone knows it takes two full weeks to get through <laughs> bot madness, that we follow up our last episode with a very special interview. Of course, a little different from our normal eps, uh, but... Man, uh, I think uh, probably about five times more informative. Uh, This (laughs) was a such... Holden, what have we been doing this whole time doing (laughs) research? We could just ask the people who did the thing. (laughs) Yeah, well... We're idiots. I feel like I got so many quotes and so much research, like so much info from the people that were, that put on the events, that got battle bots. You know, we're talking Mark Thorpe. We're talking Trey Roski. All, all those guys, they, they also were, you know, creating their own bots to battle as well in their own right. But at the same time, they were still ended up in more of a producer capacity and, mm-hmm. and learning so much from them about what it was like to put the show on. But this was so special to get to talk to Jonathan Schultz of Team Huge fame about what it is to actually be one of the people involved in the battle bot fighting one of the people uh, involved in machine maintenance and and what it is to put a team together what it is to come up with something that can break metas that this especially i was so happy that uh the person we got was team huge because huge is such a special, unique bot that feels like it's not fully, you know, it definitely took influences from other things, but it feels so unlike the bog standard BattleBot design approach of having a wedge. Yeah. It's not the BattleBot you imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I also, for a second, I thought you were going to say special little guy, but like he's not little. No. He's, he's huge. Huge. He's is fucking gigantic. Massive. We'll talk about it all in the interview. Um, and we just wanted to tee it up. But uh, yeah, go check out. We'll, we'll, we'll say this again in the interview, but 
definitely Google image search or however you do it, uh, a picture of the BattleBot Huge. Um, it is a really, really fascinating design. And and more so, watch it in action even before you uh, listen to this because it's just a thrilling it's a thrilling bot to see battle. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how else to, ex- to to describe it. Just a just a goofy looking thing capable of unimaginable violence. Absolutely. So uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Jonathan Schultz. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Wizard and the Bruiser. And we're doing a little something special. Uh, last week's episode, we broke down the history of BattleBots. Uh, Holden McNeely is with me as well. We learned a lot, Holden. We learned a lot about them fighting robots. Absolutely. It's BattleBots fever over here at WizBrew <laughs> headquarters. Um, I feel like not since the uh, Rubik's Cube have we done an episode where I'm now fully enthralled in the uh, subject and it's kind of bled into the rest of my life um, trying to get uh, Winnie. Uh, to uh, get into the killer machine biz, so we can start, you know, making our building our own stuff. Uh, but she's confused by it. Actually, no, she thought it was cool. I was watching some. I think I was just watching some Team Huge, like uh, highlight stuff yesterday, and she sat down in my lap and was like immediately pretty enthralled at what was going on. It was pretty exciting. I mean, honestly, it would be more alarming if she wasn't enthralled. If she, if like <laughs> the new generation is so blind to violence and chaos that she was just like oh a 250 pound monstrosity flinging 80 feet in the air snoozo boro but the fact is even with the research and going by beat by beat with the history we really just did not get a sense of what it is like in the pit in the cage in the garage and like the actual teamwork and engineering and that side of the battle bots uh, experience. And so I was desperate to get a hold of somebody, anybody that could uh, lend their expertise, their experience, their their wisdom. And we're talking desperate. He was sending valentines. Mm-hmm. He was standing outside of uh, team members' windows, holding up a boombox with a, you know 80s uh, romance music playing. Listen, just because I dropped down from the ceiling of <laughs> Team Wayachi and was like, hey, talk to me, talk to me. Hey, robot boy, talk to me. Until the cops had to drag me away. Doesn't mean I was like some kind of monster. <laughs> and today- Today, we are so happy to have Jonathan Schultz, uh, Team Huge, uh, of Team Huge fame, joining us today. Thank you for being here, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Good to hear that I was first on the list and uh, <laughs> that you you didn't have to call other people first. You know, just no, no. You were the first <laughs> person. I, you were the first person I contacted uh, because I think no other robot got name dropped more on our episode really? uh, yeah. than Huge. Uh, because as of, I mean, speaking from personal experience and speaking for Holden, uh, you know, we grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s during the Comedy Central seasons. And the dull gray wedge meta was so prevalent um, that we really respected the robots that like took uh, took things a little bit different in terms of uh, design, in terms of presentation, in terms of primary weapon. And I feel like huge um is one of the more standout uh, uh, bots in terms of both unique design as well as combat effectiveness that really, when you think of mainstream battle bots, that's their like, that's their gold standard is something that is fun to look at, 
and also uh, nightmarishly effective at destroying <laughs> other people's hopes and dreams. Yeah, I kind of need if you have <laughs> if you're not familiar with this particular uh, battle bot, I need you to Google it right now. You have to look at this thing and behold what it is. I mean, I could I could describe it. You know, there's two giant wheels. There's a giant um, bar in the middle that uh, of that can be switched out for various uh, lengths depending on the opponent. But it is just and it's honestly if you think about it and I, I it didn't fully click till I was watching more and more footage of it in action I mean this thing is the wedge murderer I mean it just is it just is the anti-wedge and which is so wonderful to see because you just see so much I mean there's there's a lot you know there's the hammer style there's all sorts but um it seemed like for a while it was funny um because the create the the original wedge la machine of course was um uh brought to us by the 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 two people who would end up like founding like battle bots or or putting getting battle bots on tv and then it haunted them for the rest <laughs> of their lives they were like no more wedges it was like the wire hangers <laughs> of uh battle bots and uh so it's just so cool to see uh uh an ama- th- this amazing machine i want to i want to know more about how it was conceived i want to know more about um you know of course like the day-to-day but i guess let's start at the beginning and uh get into it because i know you before the wedge was duck yeah uh and that was for a college senior project for you jonathan so how did you like even before duck yeah like how did you come to did you were you watching battle bots on comedy central was this something in your life okay cool so it started there so where where what got you in so it was you know there there's like you talked about kids now um you see the robots fighting on television, especially as like five, six years old. I was a really little kid when I parents were watching Comedy Central or something. And you see it and your eyes just become dinner plates. You're like, this is the <laughs> coolest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And I need to do this someday. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it goes off the air in like 2002. And I go on with life and I go to engineering school because I still kind of liked it. And I still, you know, wanted to do robot fighting someday. I'm a junior in college. And, you know, not every 15-year-old off-the-air TV show gets rebooted. But if one has to get rebooted, it's that one thing that's so formative, right? And so, um, you know, and it's actually better also for people who've watched both. Um, And so I'm basically taking all of everybody in my dorm, everybody I know, and I'm texting them, come watch this. You have to see this. And they're all like, okay, it's neat. And I'm like... This is the coolest thing I've ever seen, guys. Oh, oh my God. It's like me trying to convince all my friends to play fighting games. I'm like, no, no, no you, you don't know. get it's it. Like, we all got to go it to Vegas. It is the most college nerd. You're like, I, I'm trying to th- like obscure jam bands, weird anime. The amount of times I was like, you oh. You just pick your one thing. This thing is inspiring so much joy and compulsion in me. Surely everyone I know will feel the same way. Everybody come on over. And they're all just like, yeah, I Pretty guess. Neat. You're like, uh, I'm going to order pizzas and forget I ever tried to do this. I just watched this myself. So I watched it for a couple of years. And then in engineering school, I needed to do a senior project um, to graduate. You know, show them I know how to do engineering. And they assigned me a very kind of in the weeds senior project that was, you know, more normal. And I was like, can I build a battle bot instead? And they're like, what? What's a battle bot? I want to build a battle bot. Okay. Bam. So 30-pound robot called Duck Yeah, which I don't even think there's pictures on it really online if you Google it, but it's essentially, picture, the most conventional, the most meta, I'm just doing what other people were doing because there was a, a deadline at the end of the semester, 
I needed to work. So it wasn't time to change the world, right? <laughs> um, so I basically cloned other people, built it. It was fine. It did okay. What is, so we're talking about, du- you're talking about Duck, yeah? Correct. Yeah. So what is, d- describe this bot for us. What did it, what was the, what did it look like? What was it? So it is uh, in the modern day, you know, because they make people put a weapon on robots. It's not uh-huh. just a wedge. There's usually a very small vertical spinning disc at the top. And mm. it's the most conventional. You can push people around. You hit them with a blade. Stuff breaks. It usually does okay. And so I just I cribbed all of that from other people. You know, just, I put the disc on it. I put the wedge on it. It's a little low robot. It's tiny. It's underweight a little bit. And, you know, it was like the learning experience. Mm-hmm. But you go bring that to an event and do fine but lose to other people who are just way better at building that exact same meta and you're like well if i don't want to you know get better at this for the next five years to exceed these people i need to find a way to beat all of them at the same time and then that's what leads to kind of the interest of the impatience of not wanting to get good at a meta and like well i can just create my new, is out. that really what i was like i'm gonna make a new meta to just <laughs> yeah, I, i'm gonna so make a new cool. one so the wheels came from another robot that was overseas, but they didn't have a, a blade in the middle, like a spinning blade. So I'm like, well, I have the spinning blade and he's got the wheels and they're super defensive. And what if I put these two things together at the same time? And that was the genesis, you know? And, and it and it worked. Yes. That, like you were like, I think this will work. You put it into practice. Uh, and by it, I mean large wheels that kept it, right. the main body of the robot out of range of the smaller vertical spinners with a big spinner in the middle to just like whack down or whack up. Exactly. For those who have not Googled it yet, that's essentially <laughs> what it is, is, is if you could, you know, build a boxer of any shape, you'd probably give him arms that were 15 feet long <laughs> so the other guy can't hit him. Right. right. It's the robot equivalent of that. It's twice as big in every dimension as everybody else. It's very spindly. The wheels are giant and made of thick plastic and floppy, and uh, it, it keeps it out of range of people well i can hit that because why would you build a floppy battle bot yeah, that seems yeah, that's insane the thing. from the outset that's what i love about huge like from the outset as the, especially as the layman you look at it without seeing it in action and you're like i don't think so like th- this is gonna be th- there's no way these floppy wheels this is gonna and and then it and then it gets into the arena and it's so impressive how it just you just can't yeah you can't get to it it's hard or it's hard to touch it right. and some bots of course have but it, it's um it's it can be so dominant and i think that that's the other thing too against like so many bots especially like um, more pure like wedges and stuff it it just really just there's it's not even a contest on on so many fights you know it's kind of like the bet of of the anti-meta uh-huh. you know is is i can go stomp somebody who's amazing and then i'm gonna lose 100 times out of 100 to the 40th best robot because mm-hmm. there's something about the 40th best robot yeah. that's gonna you know that just does me it or they'll pull some shenanigans with a big cow catcher and completely <laughs> <Or that. laughs> uh, uh cause a entire controversy in the in the community multiple new rules yeah. <laughs> it puts people off their game a little bit yeah. and and that's a lot of the fun of it is is you know you you keep people on the back foot all the time when you show up with something like this uh, so like how do we get from uh, Duck Yeah, just this, were you with anybody on that one to like working with a team and creating huge? Like how, how did the, I guess, how did the, uh, how did the team form? So of all of the people I knew in college at the time, one of my roommates was also in engineering. He also kind of got dinner plate eyes when he saw it on TV. So we're like, all right, we got ourselves a team here. Uh, his name is Peter. He's been with the team the entire time. And my girlfriend, Maddie, 
Uh, and that was the original team. So we go to these local events with Duckia. It does fine. No one pays any attention to it because it's very regular. And then we show up with Huge, and Huge starts doing well. But I had taken nine months to build it in the first place because I you have to solve every problem yourself. There's nothing you can copy, you know? It, it, and so it broke, and all of these people ran over to help me fix it because the community is is like that, you know? That's they, amazing. They want to yeah. beat each other in the arena to prove a point, you know? If you can kneecap the guy before you fight him in a boxing match, you're not going to... You don't prove anything. Yeah. Um, and so... But then there's the Tanya Harding meta, and <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Everything is legal here. No, I'm kidding. Um, and, well, those people who ran over are who became the team. Oh, so amazing. when we started to do, like, the TV stuff, you know you need to bring in more people, right? The robot weighs 250 pounds. I can't lift it. It doesn't fit through a door. Like, this is just... It's another level. Um, and so, you know, the first year we added a couple people from that group because we got to know them they were our friends and then as the years went on and the scope got bigger i mean we're up to i think like seven people now and might add more and it's just that that group because they're people i mean you have this amazing personality test that they already passed that they walked up and helped people right and they were the people that like i looked up to when i got started they've all been doing it longer than i have and so it was perfect because the best people to make a team from because you can lean on the experience um, and, and everyone's really devoted to the idea and how weird it is and, and enjoying all those aspects. Hello, Ed Larson and Amber Nelson from the brighter side here to check in with you, see how you're doing. Is your day more disappointing than a gas station sandwich? Are you trying to put one foot in front of the other in a glue factory? Did you try to throw your air fryer in the bathtub but nothing happened because you were too lazy to plug it in first? Then the Brighter Side podcast is for you! Oh, yeah! Each week, we take nasty, dookie, stupid, dumb... Stinky, no good, doo-doo factory... Caca-like topics and try to find the brighter side. Hey, Amber, uh, what's the brighter side of waking up chained to a bed in Russia? Um, at least they have free health care. That's right! So start your weekend off right every Friday with The Brighter Side on The Last Podcast Network. You beautiful babies. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So I have one quick question and then one slightly dumpier question. Um, <laughs> oh, good. I love a dumpy question. Yeah, yeah. A real unwieldy, <laughs> wobbly, thick question. Um <laughs> Uh, whose idea was it to add those little angry eyes because they are the true genius on the squad? <laughs> that was actually my idea. Um, Congratulations. So I, if you look up a photo of the original Huge, they were sharpied onto the front of it. <laughs> and we were going to go on television. And I was like, I got to sharpie the eyes on, man. This is like how it goes. They have to be sharp. They got to look <laughs> mm-hmm. 
a little crappy. <laughs> and my girlfriend, her day job is making e-commerce websites mm. and some graphic design stuff. And she's like, get out of the way. <laughs> like, let me, let me design something. And whip together the sticker we still you know, it's all over everything, 10,000 of things at this point. Like the the one sticker and the eye design, she whipped it out in like half an hour, six years ago. And that, that's been it. So we just got them, you know, cut out of metal of the biggest okay. size that would fit on the front, which was a different friend's idea. And once we saw them on the robot, we're like, this is it. Like it has to be the biggest mm -hmm. eyes you can fit. I love so the it. eyebrows a foot, a foot long. Incredible. So that's kind of the scale. God, that, I never well, by the way, yeah, I, I got to stress this too. Go not only Google uh, huge, but then go. I found the picture on you guys' website. There's a picture of the team with huge. Yeah. And that made me go, oh my god, because I've never been and you know seen it live, right? Uh, a BattleBots show, which I'm, I'm, I live in LA, so I, I now plan to go. To, you now must. I yeah. now must go to Vegas <laughs> and and watch one of these live. And that thing is, I know it's called huge, but it's like <laughs> that is the whole point. Massive. <laughs> of the it's name. like it is as big as them, and they're all surrounding it, and it's like big, way bigger than them, and it's. You, and then you go, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> this, right? this, and this object literally <laughs> defies common sense. Yeah. And I have stood next to the arena. We're cutting ahead slightly. but <laughs> And been looking up, like 45 degrees up at it, mm -hmm. up there somewhere. Because it ended up thrown oh, wow. high up or threw itself high up. And you think of all these you know, sore backs from lifting it, and you're like, "Yeah, I am not safe here. Like, this is not that is why this is that absurdity is... Um, to see something that big and that heavy because they all weigh the same, even though we're twice as big. They all weigh the same, but to see it. And the other thing about the eyes that I feel like I want to really stress, I feel like Jake and I's big takeaway from our episode uh, on BattleBots was yes. When we were kids, we remembered a certain way, and it was like this amazing thing that we that we loved. It was this big kind of part of our, you know, especially we were comedy nerds, so Comedy Central oh, right. was like always on. Um, but BattleBots now is incredibly, I think, much better and really, really, really entertaining in its in its current form. And a lot of that to me had to do with the just those extra touches on design uh to to get across kind of a personality mm -hmm. with each bot and how i love when with, with the teams dress up the the pizza <laughs> cutter the guys like yeah. all coming in and like is like with the, their like pizza sh like uh chef outfits and stuff and like i thought they were just dressed as normal italian men <laughs> i didn't realize they were doing some a some of them thing. aren't even italian what? that's the thing oh we finally got the juice some of them are some of them are so um but what I think is the funniest thing about that is it's the the best way to distill engineers, right? So you talked about the old show. Everything was a silver rectangle mm -hmm. with a wedge on it. No personality, no flair, right? Because you didn't have to. Or once in a while, uh, what's his name? Mark uh, Strunkiak, I want to say. Zatrakian. No. Zatrakian yeah, would make something amazing. And it would get <laughs> yeah, its yeah. ass whooped because it right. was not. <laughs> by something boring. But yeah. nowadays... You take, you put the smallest hurdle in front of this engineer, six inch hurdle, give it a theme and a name, mm -hmm. right? You can't call it Devastator and have it be a rectangle, mm -hmm. right? You got to right. give it a th something and just blossoms into this amazing cornucopia of we've got the pizza robot. We've got the, the scorpions. We've got the hyper color. Yeah. Oh, it's so neon. cool. There's so many synth wave yeah. robots. Like it's, it's people go nuts with it and it just makes all these fun 
things, right? Let's have the burger fight a flipper yes. because he's going to flip the burger. <laughs> Incredible. You know, and there's a, a class of robots like us, you know, where, where the theme is huge. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's not referencing anything, but you can just have so much fun with it. Like we're going to make the pizza fight a flamethrower because it's funny. Like, yeah, totally. It is funny. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> to get to the dumpy, to get dumpy on you real fast. Um, So when it was time to actually take the, uh, the huge design from the 30 pound, you like you proved the concept that like these mixture of features is effective. Correct. What were the engineering challenges to scale that up into a heavyweight competitor? I'm talking, you know, materials, power sources, weight uh, considerations. And how did you end up overcoming them? Like what were the real kind of uh, hurdles that you had to like figure out? The biggest hurdle for that. And that, there's a context. Our first season was 2018, which is World Championship 3. And then now we're, at, we're through 7. So we've done it a, a number of times. We're good at it now. Um, but we, from the day we started to the day it shipped, was five weeks. So we had to learn, design, and construct it all in five weeks, which was awful. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, so in that amount of time, it was a lot of finding the people who've done similar things and asking them because the little robots... It was made of the tools I had, which was a lot of plastic. The body was all made of plastic as well. It was bolted together. It had been holding up fine, but not great. And it was like, okay, we need to design this out of metal and we need to weld it together. I need to find a welder. I need to find out how to make this metal and design for this stuff. I need to figure out what motors I can use because I have no idea what motors people use for a robot this big. Um, So it was all, you know, it is kind of designed for speed. The first one wasn't designed to be the best robot ever. It was designed to be the best robot ever with a wheelchair motor I don't have to mess with to drive it around and steel that I can pay a guy in a T-shirt and some pizza <laughs> to weld. And um, the wheels were hand cut. Like we just traced them and cut them out with a jigsaw. Wow. You just buy sheets of plastic, overnight them to yourself and cut a wheel. Like it was all designed around that kind of philosophy that like we got to build this thing in two weekends. And we have day jobs. Yeah. So it was um, miraculous that it did as well as it did in that basis. And then the whole philosophy of the following year was just, what would I do if I had more than two weeks to put into this, <laughs> right? Because you're dealing with the speed of television and we weren't someone who was known. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we had early notice about the season. We just got accepted. And they're like, shipping is March 1st. And it's like mid-January or something. We're like, Okay, you know, this is the dream, right? You got to say yes no matter what. You figure it out later. Um, so overcoming the time was just as big as overcoming the technical. But the technical was you know, lean on everybody around you. And, and we called it the huge magic at the time because people just liked it so much. They liked the idea. They're like, we'll do whatever <laughs> to help this thing exist. Um, and it, it worked out. That's, That's amazing. incredible. And, and I think on top of that... Um, I don't know how much you could speak towards it, but uh, financially, w- what was the cons- consideration there? Does everybody just throw into a pot? I saw you guys have a couple sponsorships, which is awesome. And you get some prize money for uh, participating and succeeding in the contest, probably some TV production stipends. But like, it's definitely, a, a, I can only assume it's still, do we sound like your incredulous uncles when they're like, so what's your plan for all this business? I, I do joke a lot that we, because uh, everybody who's on the show, right, it's the smattering of 200 people from every city in America who all saw the show 20 years ago and had their eyes go wide. Mm-hmm. So it's a very 
similar group of people. And uh, we all love the joke that we picked the one reality TV show that costs everybody money. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, we, uh, from an emotional standpoint, I know like Fuckboy Island would leaves people like the therapy bills alone right. might actually <laughs> equal the cost of a battle bot. And also just meeting me, knowing me, talking to me. There is one reality show that I'm going to get on. Okay, I'm not going to get on the other one. Well, not since Beauty and, and the Geek uh, went off the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have it, – it's basically a, a, a scrape and claw type thing for every team. So we all have sponsors. Sometimes the sponsorship is money. Sometimes it's getting parts from teams. Sometimes it's just a discount on parts. Um we personally sell a fair amount of merchandise, not a ton. That's right. You guys have, I saw the hats are sold out already. Check yep. out the website and it's a great design. I love that we're kind of a big deal uh, uh, on <laughs> the you. shirts. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That was also Maddie. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's me shipping that stuff. We don't sell so much where we're a big business or anything. So if you order stickers, I just throw them in an envelope and put it in the mail. But that makes a little bit of money. We sell broken parts from the robot. That makes a little bit of money. That's brilliant. The fact that I know right now the eBay store isn't open, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah okay. Okay, you got your stuff wrecked. You can actually sell the shredded bits of steel. And it kind of break even yeah. depending on the piece, as long as you're mindful when you're designing yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, so it doesn't cost too much. And I saw there's currently sold out too, so that's that looks like a hot commodity for people. It was it was good. I need to go <laughs> Uh, back to the storage unit and grab more. So we're working on a robot right now, and it's there's only so many hours in the day. So I've been focusing on that's awesome on building a, a new thirty pound one, and, and it's like, oh, I'll get to the eBay store later. I just um, got a I just got a zero Mostel producer's ass idea, Holden. What if we could make more money with a losing robot than a winning well, it's one? A balance. You, you need enough parts to sell, but you can't be so bad that nobody wants. It. We call it uh, so that's the key. Frag, Fraggy Fred, Fra Freddy Frag. No, we gotta call it. Springtime for Hitler if we're going to go with that. <laughs> no, that'll make it too obvious what we're doing. <laughs> so I want to get in. I want to talk. I, mean, I think the thing I'm most curious about uh, personally watching a bunch of competition, I noticed that you were at the helm uh, and the stuff I was watching. I want to talk about controlling the thing and, and strategy in the arena mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So first of all, I noticed a lot of more modern teams have two people controlling, one controlling movement. Movement, the other controlling the weapon, mm -hmm. uh, the, wep the, the weapons on the, on the machine. But I noticed with y'all, it's just I, you, right? Correct. On the remote control um, going solo. Uh, can you speak towards that? And I just want to know what it, I mean, just what it is like to wield one of these things uh, just in general and how that controller works and all uh, just whatever you can tell me about. Yeah. It. Well, number one, hold on. I, I'll answer Jonathan. Don't worry. Uh, number one, you have to realize you're wielding the power of a God. So yeah. obviously the erotic energy is overwhelming. You can say that about the entire show, the energy of <laughs> uh, I'll talk about the experience of it first, because to get into the, the strategy side of the driving and the choices is full rabbit hole. Um, but the experience of it, you know, the noises they play in the show, that electrical noises, they play all of that in person. And there's a thousand people in the audience. And unlike most shows, they all paid to be here. They're <laughs> pumped. And so the experience of it is, is very electric. It's ruined every local robot fighting event where there's 12 parents in the audience. Because <laughs> now you're there and people are screaming and they have signs with your robot on it. And you know it's going to get filmed and put on TV. So ignoring that the robot was $10,000. <laughs> and you're playing a fun gambling game with that <laughs> that, you know, all the sponsors helped with because I can't afford that. So. <laughs> um, like the energy of the whole thing makes the uh, excitement level so high. 
like my friends have been wearing Fitbits and gotten like you're the, you're having a heart attack. Wow. Like, alert because like you're not moving, but your heart rate's 180. Like, yeah, because we're nervous. Um, so the experience of being there is is like pure adrenaline tunnel vision. Uh, because when it's go time, you're fighting for your life and everyone's going to see it. So you better win. So it's like when a fight ends quickly or when it ends abruptly or something, that's when things get kind of the most shouty because you, you're still in the adrenaline. It's like, you know, you're skydiving and then someone says three, two, one, you're on the ground. And like, there's no, there's no gentle portion. You just, Oh, I won. Mm-hmm. Ah, and you go nuts. Um, but the the choice on the driving is one where I we have a lot of tricks with huge, and, and that's kind of part of the idea is you know we're 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 more finesse than sledgehammer to to make this work. Our weapon weighs about half of what everybody else's weighs because I need to put all the weight in the wheels and it being massive or it doesn't work. Um, and so a lot of that is relying on that we're going to hit people in different weird ways, and some of that is relying on that I can switch the direction of the blade if I want to and I can make different driving strategies and I can turn faster if I turn it down so if I have a second person there it does add a little bit of delay but more so I have to announce what I want to do and the other guys are going to hear it Uh so I've had that before where I flick the direction around on the blade and my own team didn't even notice Mm. and then somebody's driving a certain way you know to deflect like an upwards hit and then because it's spinning so fast you can't see it, now you get hit downward from over the top or something like that. And it only takes one or two hits to change a fight if you get like the right hits. This is yeah. some anime. This is some like <laughs> Naruto-ass JoJo's Bizarre Adventure shit right now. But like, have you ever used the wheel size itself to obscure the fact that you're like changing directions to like hide it from the other team or do like something that nuts? That um, I think I, I watched too of... much anime. I think that's where my head just went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might, but um, <laughs> I've done it while rotating because mm. the spinning up only takes like three seconds anyway. Uh-huh. So after a second, you can't tell which way it's going. By the way, yeah, I saw it's, it can spin up to 220 to 250 miles per hour. Yeah, it's in crazy. like two or three seconds, <laughs> which is the upside of having a really light blade is you just get that instant spin up and then. It's wild. Come near me. I dare you. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no part it's of it mass or speed. <laughs> Either way, it's force. Like it's a lot of force and a lot of speed to get the force. Because yeah, not a lot of mass. But it, it's. I've also used the wheels before. Um, it was an accident the first time, and then they told us, and I'm like, oh, I can use that. But it obscures the opponent's view of their own robot. Ah. So if you kind of corral them into somewhere they can't see all that well because there's just giant wheels in the way, they can't see if their blade is spun up. They can't see which direction that they're pointing. Um, so we've had fights turn because they couldn't see through my robot. See, that's the stuff I'm totally I'm legal. To know and that's about. a shame. That's so interesting. <laughs> this is the last time I'll mention anime, but you should probably, when you do that, announce it like a cool special technique. <laughs> call it like Iron Shadow Fall or something, and then like the other team's like, "What's happening? He's using his abilities." In anime, you know that the guy who's doing the announcing might win at the end. I don't know if I'm going to win at the end. So if I'm, all, if I'm a cocky asshole. For the first minute, and then I get blown out, and then I'm like, well, now I just look dumb. I mean, you should, like, right before you deal a killing blow, like, smirk and, like, raise your glasses and just be like, exactly as I planned. I had the hat, and I, um, the first couple fights I wore the hat, you get so close to the arena wall, I was bouncing the hat off of it. 
So for a while, there was like an Ash Ketchum, you know, hat turn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just went to like, I'm just going to wear the hat backwards all the time. This is annoying. Uh, but right, it was my anime moment. See, as an elder millennial, turning the hat is both Ash Ketchum and Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. Ah, okay. Those are two different points of reference for, I'm turning the hat backwards, now I'm serious. Now, now it's go time. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So I didn't, I didn't even think about the direction of the blade. And I guess that just leads me to the question of with controlling the thing, like how many things are you controlling on that bot in, in uh, with that with that remote? And if you could tell us a little bit more about the remote itself, which yours seems like I feel like a lot of the newer ones I saw look almost like PlayStation Xbox controllers. Yeah. But yours has a little bit more of what I was seeing kind of more, almost a little more retro, look more like an. RC car style. It has like the the dials on it or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the technical technical <laughs> term. I call them joysticks, but they're definitely not I, joysticks. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know what they're called, but it is. It's an RC um, airplane controller. Oh wow! And I personally like that because of the throttle channel, which you'd use for your airplane motor to do airplane things with, um, is the weapon. So I get full control over how much weapon I want, and then I can use the switches on it to reverse the direction or change how it drives a little bit or something like that. So there is stuff in the weeds of if you're spinning one direction, it drives different than if you're spinning the other direction. Ah. Uh, and so you can adjust for those things. Centripetal, centripetal <laughs> forces. Yes. I remember high school <laughs> physics. And, and so I prefer that for the, um, the side of, you know, I just drive with my right thumb, and, and you can do a lot of uh, diagonals that make it drive a certain way that, yeah, with the PlayStation style controllers, you can do that as well. But then you don't get that granular mm. weapon mm -hmm. control. And I like the granular oh, weapon. So the one stick controls both drive motors. Correct. It's not, you're not like doing the left right steering that I, that I would have assumed it would have worked as. Correct. So you take the right stick, you push it forwards and both motors go forwards. Now, does it drive straight? No, because huge <laughs> as a design is not physically like really capable of driving straight mm. in a straight line. It, it just doesn't work like that. So you're always kind of serpentining a little bit anyways. And it just helps, you know, you, you can modulate it and it's, it's what I got used to. Mm -hmm. Um, but as for the robot, it thinks that it's six separate electric skateboards. Mm. <laughs> um, that, that is. Oh, is that uh, on, on the inside? Is that where the motors are sourced from? Are they like hoverboard motors or uh, boosted boards or whatever? Pretty much, uh, effectively boosted boards. The specific brands that are, are kind of known that 
and they've made versions that work well for like fighting robots uh, more designed to be hardened like that those bad boys brushed or on or brushless brushless we're all brushless now ah. that's why we sucked for a year or two because we had to figure out <laughs> the new tech but it, it, it's the new tech is what you know you have to chase the next thing you can't go all out on some crazy design and then give up on on the technology because mm. then it's not going to work you got to be cutting it so uh so brushless motors mm -hmm. uh lipo batteries mm -hmm. there's no gas powered guys anymore right no not at that level um there's some lower level competitions that may come up later specifically nhrl and they're trying to encourage more gas stuff because mm. gas stuff is the coolest thing <laughs> ever you know having fought a gas engine robot and gotten whooped by it it was the coolest thing <laughs> Who got you? What gas? What gas-powered robot got you? Uh, Ice Wave. Mm. If you're familiar at all with Ice Wave, they ripped us in half. Wow! In our rookie awesome. season. Yeah, I think I saw footage of that because I definitely saw the. Uh... They like playing it more <laughs> to show like they've come from dirt. Right, and now, right, right. You know, here they are. But like <laughs> the sound of it. There's YouTube videos of people standing close to it. It's this innate instinctual take two steps back when you hear it. <laughs> mm. Like it is a hot rodded chainsaw engine. So it's like, and then just cranks it and the blade spins up to like 250 miles an hour and <laughs> shreds my plastic wheels. Because, you know, they have some weaknesses, but the, the it's the coolest thing. I wish more people did it, but I understand why not having seen mm. his pit area full of gas engine tools and everything covered right. in grease and kind of smelling like exhaust. Totally. So, totally. <laughs> so uh, uh, before we get off of like driving, I just had one last question. I, I noticed in the bios for Team Huge, team member Brendan wrote, I help figure out fight strategy. Mm -hmm. So like how much rumination and I guess like, how much, how much are traps incorporated into strats? How much, how, what, like what, I don't know. I'm just so curious, but I don't really know. I've never really like been in the position to figure it out. I just want I mean, to know more. Clearly, about... they have a little table with <laughs> tiny battle bots on it, and they push it like a fancy general. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's called the Game on of the Thrones starboard approach. side. We will attack these key weak points. <laughs> yeah, is it like do you go in with a very defined strategy? Like I'm going to lead him. I'm going to lead him over to this corner, and I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Or is it a lot more chaotic? Than it's that? kind of like sometimes, and even then, a good strategy is probably going to last you about twenty or thirty seconds. Okay, because right? you get <laughs> right. You get so red it missed. either worked or it didn't right yeah. people say i want to ai driving no you don't there's so much emotion in like the fight is tense and now they're just driving you know all out that, that you never get from a computer it's, it's like you need the human make mistakes aspects of it but we have used uh designing other robots in 3d modeling and then action figure crashing them into the 3d model of huge mm. uh we do actually have tiny one a tiny huge nice um we have done testing in gary's mod yeah that's where awesome. we make shapes i mean we all remember that time where uh uh, uh tombstone glitched time. through the wall and made that weird <laughs> sound and a bunch of head crabs head crabs came out everywhere and then there was like uh, hatsune miku was there too we all remember this as for the strategy when you get in the fight in the fight you know so much of it has to be muscle memory because of the the temperature of the situation so to speak and that comes from experience fighting a lot but knowing on the opponent looking at them what actual things do I need to hit to kill them? Which area of the front is the thinnest? Which area of the front has the important stuff behind it? Mm. Is there an exposed chain or exposed belt or exposed, you know, little one-shot kill type things? Um, and seeing that and saying, okay, well, if I spin in this direction and approach in this way, then that means I'm going to get this type of hit. And if I do that five times, I'll probably knock out this drive. And then now well, you knock out the drive and now you just eat. You know, and, and that's like you go watch our fight with 
Uh, a lot of our fights from the playoffs of World Championship 7, we're hunting. And we're hunting for, for disabling systems, for belts, for chains, and 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 critical shots. And, and that's kind of like, you win the fight in three seconds if you hit the right thing. Even though it drags on for a while, you've basically already won by disabling the other guy's weapon. So, so figuring that out versus... Close your eyes and press both sticks forwards and hope. Um, <laughs> it makes your life a lot easier because you can mm. you can design around it and say, okay, I'm, I really need to hit the side of this guy. So I'm going to drive with that in mind. That's sort of One thing I think about a lot is uh, those moments in a robot combat fight where uh, you're jammed against the screws or it's, you know some key uh, control mechanism has gotten knocked loose mm. and you're just like – they're trying to like get it to to just you know you're incapacitated the ref's like kind of like hovering being like <laughs> hey you know you're stuck i don't know if you noticed but you're stuck i'm going to have to start counting and you're like yeah i know like is there emergency escape maneuvers is there anything or are you just like hitting anything and hoping <laughs> that a motor is still responding it, it depends on what's happening sometimes you know, we've had fights where the whole robot just it, it just kind of died on one hit and we're, like there's a, almost a resignation to it you're trying uh -huh. stuff obviously but you're like well okay this is this is probably right, it. Right? right you get ripped in half and you're like yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's not a whole lot i yeah. can do here you know <laughs> get back together you know uh, nano machines <laughs> but, but like it, it's especially those kind of gray area moments where you got one wheel down and i'm gonna figure this out where I think it takes some experience to stay calm and know how to keep working the robot around mm -hmm. the arena, um, but it's it becomes like your bar for what you're you're trying to do is so much lower. Mm. Like when I have the full drive, I'm like I said, I'm hunting for stuff. I know where on the opponent to hit to really do damage. It's not hit points, right? You got to like hit the things mm. and break them. If I have one side of drive down or I've lost some of the weapon power or something, it's just like you got to just go with it because. Getting any hit at all is is a bonus. Something might happen. You're already losing, so you kind of sell out for and hope that that you can change the tide a little bit. Um, but it, it gets very tense, especially when you think you can rescue it and you're getting counted out. It's like it feels like an hour mm. because you're like, I can I can mm. save it. And generally, it's, when it's done, it's it's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. All right, I guess I want to move into uh, you know we've talked about like the actual battles themselves, but. I definitely wanted to ask you what uh, just a day looks like, um, like a competition day looks like. I know it's probably different when it's a televised day versus a just normal, you know, non because there's a lot of um, and just to, again to try to get people to to go check it out. I mean, there's definitely locals all over the place uh, for sure, mm -hmm. and also BattleBots does non televised events all the time in Vegas mm -hmm. on top of the televised. And in a way I was sound and almost I was like the televised is, is way more hype. So that's why you want to go to that one. What's nice about the non-televised though, it's like a sh it's like a more uh bite-sized experience. Yeah. It seems like it's like an hour and a half or 2 hours as opposed to like 3 to 4 hours, right? Um and so you can kind of get in, watch the fights and get out. So uh I know there might be a big difference between the two types, but still what does like a competition day how does how does that go? Yeah, um, uh, for Team Huge, for you know the more local things, you're usually in and out in one to two whole days. So your your game is whatever I brought, I have, and and in between every fight, it's like a, a damage mitigation. I fix as much as I can, and I slap it on the butt and I send it back out there and go get them, buddy. Um, <laughs> when you're at the show, you were there for almost three weeks. Oh so wow! 
if you need something, you just go get it. I know all the Harbor <laughs> Freights in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> when uh, we were in Los Angeles for a couple of years, the McMaster Car Warehouse was right there. We would do daily trips, right, to go pick up stuff. 45 minutes notice, nuts and bolts and whatever you needed. Um, but it's, it's a, a game where you show up at 8 in the morning and you have the big list that you left for yourself yesterday at midnight. And you're there all day. Um, if, if you're not fighting, you're fixing or watching other fights. And if you are fighting, there's like this tension to the room that, you know, in four hours, I got to fight. So the robot will be getting the batteries put in it, which is a process. All the foam done and all the zip ties on the connectors done and all the little tricks done, buttoned up. They check it to make sure it all works before it goes in. And then it's just on me to kind of pace and lose my mind a little bit. And I watch a lot, a ton of footage. So keep an eye on, on what I think the other guy's going to do. Keep an eye on their robot to see if they've changed it at all for us. Because people do that. And then when it's finally time, I mean, it's like hours go by that feel like nothing. Because they say, okay, come over near the arena. And you sit next to the arena and you watch some fights and it's getting tense. Then you get in line to go out there and it's a little more tense. And then you walk out to a shouting crowd and it's incredibly tense. <laughs> and even sitting next arena side takes like 10 minutes for them to get everything lined up and all the camera shots done. And you're just like, your heart's going nuts and, and you're ready to, to kill something basically. So it just adds that much to the, the moment uh, when you do get to kill something. And then the rest of the day is like this happy afterglow that like we did it, we beat them up. You find someone who recorded it on their phone so you can watch it immediately. And there's celebration. You usually go get milkshakes or something. <laughs> like we just, you know, we, we have, you got to keep it fun because you're still going to be there till probably midnight, right? 18 hour days with very few days off. Um, I mean, no days off because we take the days off and fix the robot on it. And then at midnight, you make that list of the things you didn't get done and want to do tomorrow. And you just go back the next day. So it's incredibly draining. But like you put your whole soul into it because this is your one time a year. You get to play with your big toy. I guess. So there's less less uh, hotel room debauchery, <laughs> less uh, underground bot fights where like the, yeah, money the, matches. Yeah, uh, yeah, under, yeah, yeah. Underground money matches. Yeah. Underground money matches. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, coke. I, I don't want to say cocaine, so I'm just gonna say. Um, I mean, look at the crowd. Look at the uh, crowd. Titanium also. dust. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there is definitely, you know, there's some teams that are a little bit more there for Vegas than there for robots. Okay. And there is the type of of stuff where it's like. You know. Yeah, Team Strip Club definitely seems yeah, like yeah. they're... There's some vibe about them that, you know, you just don't... You can't tell. you, you um, got to say, their theming is on point, right. though. They that was, making, like, Yeah, incredible. they keep making a raid in the arena. We're like, what are we even it's doing here? Big We're spinning single-dollar bill. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it, it's it's people taking it really seriously. Um, and, and it just takes so much to keep the robot alive in the first place. Mm -hmm. You don't almost have time. Yeah. And so when you lose, you get out, you're like, a big exhale you know now you're out so like one year we you know we went to the hoover dam we went to go <laughs> saw a cool park and we, we were done yeah. we lost um and, and you're kind of free but last season we got second place so you're fighting every single day till the the very uh, last yeah day. i wanted to ask about championship seven <laughs> and how that how that was to get all the way to the final dance i mean that's a huge accomplishment thank you um was that just a crazy day was that just what, what was just what, or a crazy, crazy I, week, however many days you know because crazy week normally there's like we've never missed the playoffs and that's our, our history on the positive. We've never missed the playoffs. Our history in the negative is we never got out of the first round. Mm. So all these years, we're, we're in the playoffs, lose. We're in the playoffs, lose. And we're losing to good teams, but we're still losing. 
And that sucks. But you have this kind of break time afterwards where you watch the other teams fighting. Sometimes they do like spinoff shows and you can get in on those. But it's a lot more freeform. This year was, we just kept winning. So, okay, we fought today and we beat Scorpios. We're going to fight tomorrow and we're going to, and then, oh, we beat Mad Catter. And oh, we're going to fight the next day. And it's just one, 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 one. But there's kind of the combo ratcheting up pressure because now it really matters right your top eight your top four but also we ended up in a little meta you know happy land where we're fighting people that were exactly what we're designed to fight and we're gaining all this confidence in the robot because we've never fought more times in a season so we have all this mileage on it to learn um and so it's kind of like this you know don't screw it up don't overthink it stick to your game plan but also, oh my God, you're in the top four. Don't lose, right? Because this is a really good opportunity. And you, how it's many hard pairs to get this of far. wheels did you go through on that one? On that <laughs> well, that's run. what's dumb about robots: is the better you are, the cheaper it is. Uh, so we didn't go through that right, many wheels because right. we kept winning. Yeah. Um, on the whole, we've, I bring like a dozen wheels to a season. Yeah. Uh, and and normally go through two to four in a year, and you're looking at four or five hundred bucks a wheel wow. so you know you try not to go through them if you don't have to um but we can patch it a little bit and we had to patch some after a few of the fights this year but it was like it just charge the batteries and fix little things that it broke on itself and it somehow just keeps pulling out wins so it, it was an amazing ride in that sense because by you know incredibly first world problems by the eighth fight in a row that you've won it does feel a bit rhythmic at that point where you're like you pull it out you know exactly what maintenance to do you're used to the driving and just drive the same fight you've been driving and, and uh, you really get in a groove with it. But on the other hand, oh God, now you're in the final. Yeah. So the, the pressure. That becomes. must've been so intense. Were you just, were you just shaking like a leaf going into that final fight? Was <laughs> yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean like I was, it's the little kid goal, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's the thing you've been thinking about forever. Um, it, it's kind of a combo thing because you want to win obviously but if you go into any competition in my mind especially something like battle bots and you say i'm not happy unless i win the whole thing you're going to be terrible at it (laughs) and you're not going to last very long Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so there's a level of acceptance with with losing that you already have to kind of know that you're it's going to be okay and your goals are separate from winning battle bots yeah so our goals were having huge working very well and it worked very well last season. Um, so our goals were basically already met for the year and everything else was great. And we're like, well, if we can win the whole damn thing, that would just be, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> um, but to lose it, you know, obviously it, it, it sucks to get silver medal, but you're still on the podium, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we came away nothing but positivity, nothing but happiness. Yeah, I feel like you're still in this notorious league now, like uh, that's that's kind of on on another level from... I hope so. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it definitely seems that way I to guess, me. I uh, guess a question I have about the experience um, is the push and pull between this is a unabashed showdown between uh, drivers and engineers and teams on a battlefield of dominance mm-hmm. and like a show of just raw uh, competition. But it's also a TV show with uh, celebrity judges and interviews and little fun segments and uh, pauses to get lighting right. And I'm sure you had to get like, uh, you know, makeup 
Did you have to get makeup done for when you were? They don't. They don't do makeup for us. They leave us to our own devices. Oh, but that's great. The the Chinese robot fighting TV show, which is a thing. There's a rabbit hole if you want to fall down as well. That there for three years pre-COVID was an entire Chinese robot fighting. Multiple leagues, multiple shows. Oh wow! Uh, they did the full hair and makeup, but for us, it's it's it is so different and unique and. It's not relatable. I can't tell stories about being on a reality TV show set and have other people like understand that mm-hmm. and, and, uh-huh. and it makes sense. But like you get very comfortable talking to a camera. You do tons of interviews. You get very good answers to common questions. Not um, that we've asked any. And, we've been, we've been throwing <laughs> no, curveballs. No, you questions. <laughs> Dumpy questions. Um, <laughs> That's good, a promise. We, got, we, gave you some, we gave you some good dumpers today. Absolutely. <laughs> so like the the being there – it's like you're you're managing so much more than just building a fighting mm-hmm. robot, right? You have to communicate with these TV people who have no idea what is going on with the robot and why why isn't it ready? Because it broke itself. That's <laughs> why, you know? We've had fights delayed because other people broke themselves. And that's just part of it. You have to kind of go with the flow a lot because you're in this weird environment where so much depends on so much else. And 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 you know what? Sometimes you're fighting half an hour earlier than you thought you were going. Sometimes you're fighting eight hours later, next day, whatever. It's stuff happens. But, you know, in my mind, there's so many different little things that can go wrong or can screw you. But at the end of the day, they're going to put you in the arena with the other guy and the fight isn't fixed. You know, the worst robot can beat the best robot. And you solve a lot of problems if you just go win your fights. <laughs> <laughs> so ad- adopting that mindset... Um, was very helpful for us because it was like cut out the the extra stuff because you can spend so much time worrying about the extra stuff. And like if the robot wins, we'll figure everything else out. Yeah, um, right. and that it helps cut through the TV noise and and the interviews and, and everything to do with that because your focus is on the thing that people are actually kind of watching the TV show for. Um, to, to and see you're the not on Comedy Central anymore, so you don't have oh, to God. talk to Donna DeErico <laughs> in a maid outfit or whatever weird. I will say, apparently, Donna DeErico did the research and actually. Uh, I should have said <laughs> uh, she was, uh, like, different. She was the one yeah. that was like completely didn't care or anything. But apparently, shout outs to Baywatch and Donna DeErico. She apparently researched all of the different builders and all the different robots and came in with like actual questions. Well, and uh, that was that. Kudos. I to heard her. Arch Barker turned Deadblow into a giant bomb back in the day. <laughs> I'm sure it happened. It hasn't aged well. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. That's, it's the, like, that's the nicest way to put it. And I, I was like seven, and my parents were letting me watch that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would, I would say it hasn't aged well, but there are seasons of like incredible modern battle bots that are amazing. I think yeah. is spectacular. I'm trying to like scream the gospel of it now because it's, it's. Uh, I didn't realize like just how much too great. You know, modern day uh, BattleBots. The line, the line we kept repeating is BattleBots now is what BattleBots back then looked like in your your head. head. Exactly. It's what you (laughs) thought it was. And you go back and watch and it's just RC cars with a hat, you know, running into (laughs) each other. And I I think it also defies um, common sense in a way where in most TV shows, you start at season one, mm-hmm. right? And that's probably going to be your best season, mm. right? The, all the writers have their best jokes and all that sort of thing. For BattleBots, not just the season we did well in, right? But watch some of the later seasons uh-huh. first because it, um, you, the show is just so much smoother and it makes so much more sense, you know? World Championship, like four onwards. The earlier seasons, they were kind of figuring it out, right? 
and half the robots you see for one minute in the first episode, and it's a bracket, so half the guys lose week one. Sorry, see you later. And, you know, they fixed so many things like that. They fixed judging criteria. They fixed arena changes. They fixed robot design weirdness that makes boring robots win. And so the most recent seasons, you benefit from the technology. The robots are nuts. Uh, but you also benefit from like the the smoothness of how good they've gotten at running and making a TV show about yeah, cookie people building fighting robots. I really, <laughs> I really like hearing you know Trey Rusky and Mark Thorpe talk about that evolution. Um, there's actually, I love it, oh, Jake. Yeah. Jake sent me this. Uh, there's this Rick Rubin podcast that they were on that was amazing, and he interviews them, uh, and they talked about that f- towing that line and of trying to figure out what is, um, you know, but going to be really good for the purity of the sport, but also is going to be very entertaining, right? Yeah. And like trying to figure out how that the balance on rules and everything. You know, which again, they established the wedge meta with La Machine, their own <laughs> robot, and then they've spent, they had to fix it. They've spent years <laughs> since trying to like uh, reckon that with that <laughs> with that wedge meta. Um, and I guess that leads me to one of my one of my uh, uh, last questions for you, which is, uh, I love the gimmick robots, and they describe uh, like a bot, and most of these or really any of these don't usually make it to television yeah. because it's only you know as they say it's only fun to watch happen once. <laughs> but they talked about a, a bot that uh, a couple guys brought in that just dumped water on the other uh, <laughs> battle bot or um, another one. The the infamous one is the, it was like a, what a NASA team robot versus these two kids came in with a bot that, that just separated and had, and had the duct tape, tape yes. between it. <laughs> yeah. And it would just wrap and it just wrapped around this like $10,000, whatever, uh, ro- like crazy robot that these NASA people designed to just it rendered it useless within seconds. Um, are there any like gimmick bots that you've seen that you remember that, uh, uh, in these competitions or anything that really stood out to you to, uh, you know, kind of design wise that was just like, wow, that's a crazy idea. I think, you know, my favorite gimmick is a gimmick that still wins a fight or two as well, right? Cause anyone can build garbage and, and put garbage in and haha look it, it lost and it's funny um but to build some bright idea and then it wins once is like the ultimate vindication mm-hmm. um and, and i think that that's one of the most fun things about it is is that it doesn't matter how much money you have how much experience you have that if one kid gets the one bright idea that i think i can win a fight if i put a drill on an arm and drill through the top of the other guy <laughs> Which you is know, that one you've seen? Um, so I mentioned the NHRL. It's like I call it a second tier to, to BattleBots. BattleBots mm-hmm. is on TV. NHRL is big on YouTube. We've got like four hundred thousand subscribers. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, someone just a week ago, he put a drill on an overhead arm and just drilled right through the top of somebody, right through the battery. Smoke and fire wins the fight, <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a thing that that yeah. anybody does, wow. and and it makes it so much more magical when when somebody can pull out something from deep in the bag of tricks that probably worked in 1999, right when mm-hmm. everyone was armored up in tinfoil. And then everyone got really hardcore for a while. And then now you get so hardcore that you're min-maxing everything on the robot that you start to overlook things like top armor that can't be drilled through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many of the little robots, especially made of plastic, so flamethrowers are now a big game oh, yeah. for the little robots. They melt each other like crazy. They stick each other to the wall. <laughs> um, and that's my favorite thing about the whole sport is that, you know, I was a gimmick robot yeah, six years ago. Totally. And, and that... If you stick with something, your gimmick robot can become 
the worst day of someone else's robot fighting career <laughs> when they have to lose to it. <laughs> because you can make it good. It, there's a shred of truth in, in anything that wins a fight, right? And, and um, other people just don't realize it sometimes. But but these little ideas, they can grow into something. To tack on to Holden's question in, uh, in designs that you found novel, uh, are there any robots competing today or even uh, in your past that like have stuck with you that you have a soft spot for or uh, even a level of admiration for that uh, kind of inspire you to push harder or just like lit up that love for the saucer eyes? Who are your who are your faves? Who are your guys? Who are your bots? It's like, I mean, even, you know, you go so deep in the weeds. I've watched every BattleBots fight that's ever happened in the reboot at least five times. Like yeah. you, you've seen everything. Um, people who do something you've never ever seen before, however they do it, is where like the the magic still is. You know, I I could watch the identical vertical spinner two hundred and seventy three wrecking two hundred seventy two, and I sleep right through it. It's the same fight I've already watched a hundred times. Um, there's a robot this past season called Claw Viper, and he magnet stuck himself to the floor with like six hundred pounds of magnet, so he gets insane grip. Ah. And you combine grip with four electric atv motors uh-huh because uh, that's what each one is um so you have insane grip and now it's geared for 20 and it can get there and it's just as happy pushing 250 as it is pushing 500 so it just like drives through people mm. with the magnet grip and slams them around the arena it's going so crazy fast um there's a lot of robots where on the outside it looks the same but the inside they're doing unique things or, or beautifully made things one called blade from a couple years ago it was beautifully built inside outside i think it was like two and two but the inside was like the most beautiful robot you've ever seen everything was finished it looked perfect right inside of huge we buy harbor freight floor foam tiles for knee like uh saving your knees (laughs) and just cut rectangles and glue it inside the frame and that keeps everything safe because i don't know limits of skills limits of time limits of money blade was built like it came out of a lab somewhere it was the most beautiful thing to look at up close like a custom motherboard like you're everything. talking about like when you open up a, a mac for the first time and everything's just seems so exactly purpose built and like intentional and, and in the same sense i think as as like opening up a mac you do it they they do it for the pride of themselves and to impress the other builders and they know that no audience is <laughs> yeah. going to see the inside unless something <laughs> very bad has happened and if they do see it it's probably torn up by then but it's like for the pride of it they make such a a beautiful system and everything has a mount everything has a a squishy rubber custom molded thing and everything's labeled he has it's his blade on every single internal component in anodizing or paint or vinyl or something and it's like holy crap these people are on another level sometimes and that's like what pushes you you know forward seeing other people doing like the brushless stuff was how we said i got it I got to right. get on this train. Um, and and we try and be that for other people in the materials. So a lot of people have adopted the, the wheel materials we use for armor mm-hmm. because they see us. Oh, I've seen some oh, yeah. direct, I believe I've seen some direct inspiration from Team Huge, like full on, you, you guys created a meta and I'm seeing huge likes in the arena. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, always, I always say, you know, people complain about the vertical spinners because there's 30 of them. If there was 30 huges, you'd all be pretty goddamn sick of it. And they'd probably... <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, especially after this past Go pretty year. far. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, God. That's the old, that's the nightmare scenario is that you go to pitch for... Or, you, you know, you submit your CADs. You, like... I'm sure you have a 
uh, especially with your successful record. We were fine. Yeah, but they're like, one year, they're just going to be like, no, nah, we already got a huge. And you're like, but, but I'm huge. Uh, the uh, last question I want to ask is uh, simply, uh, we're dealing with high amperage current, uh, high RPM uh, chunks of steel, um, uh, lithium batteries that could uh, explode if you look at them wrong. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever suffered an injury while uh, working on huge or even scarier, have you had a close call that could have been an injury? I'm so glad you asked, Jake, because it blows my mind. I'm not when in our research. I didn't see more instances of bodily harm. That was I, <laughs> the first thing I looked on the wiki was limb mangling. How many limb mangling? I was kind of blown away. I mean, I know you're all like pretty much everybody working on these things are professionals in their own right on, you know, as engineers. But it still blows me away at how just because of the sheer just how dangerous these things are and how gigantic they are it's just wild i think that's kind of part of it is like a firework doesn't look like a big deal <laughs> until it goes off but you see this and you're like holy this is going to kill me like it, it, this is a visceral it's going to kill you nature to it um what happens a lot i'm not to gatekeep like crazy, but I am of the firm opinion that nobody should build a robot that big <laughs> as the first time uh -huh. you're building a robot. And you shouldn't go to BattleBots as your first time. And that does happen sometimes. I'm building my first robot. It's like we don't go to the Olympics when you're trying to run running for the first time. Right. You know? Um, because it's a safety thing. So like we have the I would say the closest call um is like on the radio, there's the throttle channel and then there's the drive channel, right? People can bump the throttle channel while someone's in there with the robot. And so you have big locking pins that go across. And uh, the throttle channel was up 15% or something. And someone turned the robot on, one of my teammates, and the blade just goes, clunk. And in that the moment, if the lock it. wasn't there, the pin stopped oh, it. God. The pin bent. It bent, <laughs> but it stopped At it. At 15%, wow. it bent steel. It's got a lot of torque. Wow. And it, we could have bought a better pin also. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't test it that much, right? You just say, ah, it's probably big enough because we're not going to hit it because we're not going to be dumb. Yeah. Well, we were dumb. And it went and clunked, and everyone panicked for a moment. <laughs> and I put it back to zero, and I told them what happened, and we got a new pin, and <laughs> turned the robot on, and everything was fine. We went and fought. Um, but what it, it did is, the thing that it wasn't supposed to do. It Yes, but the pin did the thing that it was supposed to do. And uh, the worst thing that happened at BattleBots that I did not see was in the test box, a robot that nobody saw many years ago uh, because it never even made a television because it was pretty non-functional. It looked like a giant spinning saw blade horizontally to the ground. So as one of those upside down lawnmower, lawnmower kind of things, even worse, there was not even a robot under it. It was a ring spinner. So there was nothing oh. but saw blade the whole way around it. And he turned it on in the test box and uh, broke one rule by being away from the door. The robot was between him and the door. Uh, so that's thing one you're not supposed to do. And his locking pin was terrible. And that's thing two through a thousand that you're not supposed to do. So he turns it on. The other unsafe thing was his, his weapon was an on-off full bore. So it's either off or full throttle till we burn it down. Uh, and so it threw the pin out. Oh, man. Because the whole saw blade spun up, right? So you put the pin in, centrifugal force, removes the pin. So now he's in there. Giant saw blade is spun up. Giant saw blade is between him and the door. And the radio looks like the weapon is turned off. So what happened was the last time they turned the, they used a knob, the knob 
like the electrical switch underneath twisted in the housing. It didn't actually turn off the weapon. So they thought it was off, looked off, yeah, yeah. turned on the robot, on. Thousand amps at a million volts. Not actually, but Whoa. it was actually a thousand amps, but it was like 50 volts. Uh, accelerates a hundred pound saw blade to 200 miles an hour in half a second. And he's just in there with it. And so what they did was they opened the door the rest of the way and he hid in the triangle behind the door while this thing is just sitting there open, spinning while people are trying to figure out on the radio how to make it stop. Jesus. You can't turn it off because it's spinning. <laughs> well, you throw a rock at it, obviously. It's going to throw it right back at you. <laughs> Damn it. I'm out of ideas. That was my business. I bet everything on the rock plan. <laughs> Well, it's, it happens every once in a while in fights where something gets damaged and the robot weapon gets stuck on, especially the big spin bots. And so there's the guys with the big wedges, the big defensive guys who are like, let me put my robot in. I'll turn it off for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the scariest thing that happened. They got the radio fixed and turned it off and nobody got hurt. Ooh. Right. But there are some times where fans will post online. I wonder why so-and-so didn't come back. Mm. And I was like, so-and-so's going to get the goddamn show canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they should not come back. <laughs> you know, we like our little carnival right. here. And if somebody goes and loses yeah, a leg, we don't over. get to have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's wild. And, and so that's like, nothing too bad has happened on site. People hurt themselves yeah. with power tools more than they hurt themselves with the robots. And I've cut myself on every robot yeah. I've ever built. You know, you, they, you always bleed a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Cut your hands. Um, sometimes you stand up near it too fast and knock your head off something. Like with this, we go under it sometimes and you can drop stuff on you or whack stuff. Um, but like real grievous bodily harm, fingers crossed. Luckily, nothing too bad has nice. happened. Well, got you all still the got fingers, them. Good, good. Uh, obviously, I mean, you guys must have a lot of safety protocols in place. And yes. And, and I'm big also on um, earplugs also. Mm. Like when you're up box side, it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, both my parents are a little bit deaf. So I'm like, all right, guys. You, know, you should wear your plugs. I tell you, wear your plugs or stand back. And I wear your plugs and, and it helps to uh, deaden the noise a bit in the building. But also like, you know, we fought a robot called Gigabyte way back when. And it's like a big dome. And every time you hit the thing. That sounds familiar. That's like, uh, this one's, has that one been around a they while? Have, yeah. We fought them years ago, but I hit it. Oh God. Yeah. I remember that. So like we switched the blade direction. It was going downwards and I hit down on the top for the entire fight. That thing rang like a gong every mm. single time you hit it. It was the loudest thing I've ever heard, and my ears were ringing after the fight. And I was like, "I'm not, <laughs> I'm not losing my hearing over this. I like fighting robots, <laughs> but not that much, you know." And so, yeah, safety—it's it, everywhere. You don't realize it. But that's also something like Mark Thorpe talked about in an interview of just like, but you really you gotta go to the show in person. The smells, the sounds. It's so visceral. It's so much more intense than seeing it uh, on TV. And so, again, I just want to recommend to everybody, check it out. I'm definitely going to go this year. I, uh, hold in. Just before someone in the comments uh, yells at us, uh, you're either thinking of Greg Munson or Trey Roski. Thorpe was like the right. the disgruntled guy who started Robot Wars. But shout out oh, to and him. Then got he got screwed over help. with a lot of legal stuff that we yeah. covered. He did. Yeah, thank you. I was <laughs> he was not as as media savvy and personable as Greg Munson. I was talking Trey about Greg Munson. <laughs> um, uh, but regardless, thank you so much, Jonathan, for uh, joining us today. This is incredible. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about this like incredible sport that I am now totally uh, hooked into. <laughs> and I hope our listeners follow suit and uh, just thank you so much for doing this yeah thank you very much for having me i, I mean I, this sport is is my passion in life is it's my favorite thing and more people 
you just got to get people to watch it and engage with it a little bit. And you see the robots and you see them grow and how good they get. It's addictive to me like nothing else. So um, thank you very much for having me. I love talking about it. Hell yeah. All right. We're going to get out of here. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, t- uh, what am I? I'm so bad at the end. <laughs> Have a good one, Jonathan. We'll hope to, hope to talk to you again soon someday. <laughs> thank you. All right. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I sure did. What a fascinating... That hour for me completely flew by. I was just enamored in everything uh, that he had to say. Multiple points I forgot we were recording. I was just... (laughs) Like, when he was talking about being locked in the box with the death song. You know, it's a good interview when we stopped recording and we kept talking about the business (laughs) and just how much things have changed and, uh, you know, how much much efforts they've been making to... um, you know, get more uh, support for the teams and things like that. It, it just, it's it's endlessly fascinating, and it's just so obvious the passion that he has for this sport. Uh, so again, Jonathan, I thanked you about eighteen hundred times uh, at the end of that interview, and then after we stopped the recording. But again, thank you for for joining us for that. Uh, and hey, let's get into the plugs. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved it like we did, uh, maybe consider supporting us further on Patreon if you don't already. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We do uh, for $5 a month weekly bonus episodes, soon to be retitled Shooting the Shit. Uh, <laughs> thank you to our listeners. We are retitling the the uh, the recording we do. But generally, we talk about that week in nerd news. We talk about the video games we're playing, stuff we're watching, that sort of thing. Uh, it's always a good time, just a way for us to really... Uh, podcast in the way uh, a lot of podcasts I like to listen to podcasts where you know like Giant Bomb and places like that I love to I love to force Jake to listen to my opinions about different video games as I play them. I wouldn't know which Netflix reality shows are worth watching if I didn't have my weekly sit down with Holt. And we also get into Netflix reality shows <laughs> currently watching. But uh, shout out to that. Like this week, I'll be talking about 100%ing Spider-Man 2 and uh, playing through the Tekken 8 story mode. So if those sorts of things interest you, uh, go check us out. Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew, check me out on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. That's twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. I'm streaming all week long. It's always a blast. Catch me over there. Uh, and Jake? Uh, you can follow me on twitch.tv slash puppet Jared. I know what you're thinking, Jake. Your name isn't puppet Jared. My VTuber avatar's name is puppet Jared. That's right. I'm a little purple gremlin man. And the flagship stream over there is the Thursday Cartoon Dumpster. Every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, we watch some of the most abyssally weird cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. We've been watching the old deep dub of Sailor Moon. We've been watching Street Sharks. We've been watching a lot of crazy stuff. And needless to say... Uh, it is a laugh riot. So if you if you like what uh, if you like Wizard and Bruiser, chances are you will have a fun time here over in the Thursday Cartoon Dumpster over at Twitch.tv/PuppetJared. And last but not least, always remember never stop bruising and keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy.